It's called the black man is God. It's called the black man is God. Next hour. This is for the children. You know what I'm saying? I got this idea from myself, of course. But this is for the children. I got this prediction. This will be the biggest upset in all of fighting history. The easiest fight of my life. You think your cousin can with me? You really do? Anybody on your watch? Anybody in my family? Mike Corey and Sean Jordan was the essence of the young chorus where we grew from. Seemed like a second, now they less important to the new son. I guess today weighs more than yesterday. It's morbid to suggest that they will come for them too. When it's a brother younger than you, who humble and who? Used to coach a night coast and blew up. Who knew? He caught you on a rough night, you were stumbling through. Now he telling you to get yours, get yours. All of you reporters made it hard on them. Never write about me like that. Never make me think about Yes, back again. The Hip Hop Sports Report Podcast, the preseason podcast of the year. We're back, man. Uh, divisional round of the NFL playoffs is upon us. And so, again, trying to take a different approach to how we are presenting our playoff content this year. We decided to hit y'all with another podcast. Uh, I have a special guest joining us in a moment. Uh, but I'm happy to be here again, Jay Hicks. With the Hip Hop Sports Support Podcast, I appreciate every single one of you for clicking download, clicking the play button, and listening to me run my mouth for anything above one second or zero seconds even. I'm appreciative of it. And so we thank you for joining us. Uh, we're here to talk about the NFL playoffs, but you know how to get a hold of the website. It's hiphopsportsreport.com, twitter.com slash HHS report. We're on Facebook. Uh, we're we're all over the place. We're on iTunes. We're, you know, we're on a bunch of places, a bunch of platforms. So make sure you are uh, sharing this podcast with everybody that you know, anybody that you think might be interested in hip hop or sports, or maybe just looking for some intelligence when it comes to talking about this stuff, not just uh, ridiculous takes that are just draped in hyperbole and and nonsense. Uh, if that's what you're looking for, you've come to the right place. So well, I appreciate y'all stopping through on a Thursday evening. This is Thursday, January the twentieth. So thank you guys for listening once again. Now, uh, NFL playoffs. We're gonna start by with a quick start by we're gonna start with a quick recap of last weekend's action. Uh, there were six games stretched across three days for some reason. Uh, I did not like the Monday night game. It just it didn't feel like a playoff game to me. I don't know why. I, it felt like I was watching Monday night football and not an NFL playoff game. Maybe it was because the game wasn't competitive. <laughs> Maybe if the Cardinals would have showed up. Uh, I would have felt a little bit differently, but as it is, wasn't really feeling it. Didn't like the Monday night thing. I don't like the seven teams in each conference thing and only the first uh, place or the first seed gets a bye. I don't like that either. Like all these unnecessary changes that the NFL is always making. And they're always after that bottom dollar, man. They're always after the bottom line. Um, I get it, I guess. You know, I mean, Because here's the thing. We're still going to watch. They could put eight teams in the playoffs. They could put 12 teams in the playoffs. Are you still going to watch? 
exactly okay so i'm gonna watch too so it's just kind of like they can do whatever they want to do they know they have us by the balls <laughs> essentially but um you know i mean I, I think i even heard something on the radio today that was like i think of the 100 highest rated tv programs in america like 91 of them were nfl football games something like that i could be wrong about that so i'm, I'm really kind of shooting from the hip on that but it was something to that effect and i wouldn't i wouldn't doubt it because the nfl is king in this country and it ain't going nowhere i don't care how many scandals how many racist owners and how many colin kaepernick's there are the nfl is numero uno and so uh with that said we're going to talk a little bit about last week's action in the wild card round to start before we bring on our special guest vince hicks friend of the podcast he's been on before you love his takes you love his candor uh you he's 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 dead serious with everything that he says he sometimes has some takes that are um not conventional and i love him for it because he is not afraid to speak his mind and he can always back it up so that's why we always have him on the podcast but uh uh speaking of the division around though uh so well actually last week in the wild card round we went four and two on our picks we really were not that far off from going six and oh but we did go four and two three and three against the spread we can clean that up a little bit this week hopefully all time now we are 72 and 35 i am anyways on our website picking these nfl playoff games uh 29 and 15 in the wild card round the division around we've been even better 27 and 9 in the 36 games that that we predicted in this round of the playoffs and so we're gonna do four more uh today but first the big talk coming out of wild card weekend it wasn't tom brady stomping the eagles that was to be expected it wasn't kansas city running roughshod over the steelers and doing trick plays you got tight ends throwing touchdowns and they're just dancing on (laughs) ben roethlisberger's grave (laughs) as a lifelong clevelander born and raised i enjoyed seeing that but uh, I can't believe Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk actually picked the Steelers before that game. It's ridiculous. Um, I told y'all, to, <laughs> I told y'all the Chiefs are going to cover the spread, and it was like forty-two to fourteen or something like that. Um, no, the big, the big debate coming out of last week's action was uh, Dak Prescott and the Cowboys falling short against San Francisco, which I thought was going to be the best game of the weekend. Um, I told you guys, even though I had Dallas winning the game, it was really only because everybody was on San Francisco, so I kind of went against the grain a little bit because usually when everybody floods one side of a of a, of a situation like that, it's, it usually ends up going the other way. And so um, that's kind of why I picked Dallas, and I like Dallas's defense. I thought they could turn the ball over a few times, which they got one turnover, but they didn't get more than one, and they needed one more, I think. But we saw the Niners in control for the majority of the game i said they were the better team going in and so it's not really a shock that they won however dallas did have a chance to take the lead at the end of the game or at least tie and force overtime i forget the exact score at the moment uh when dallas was driving on that on that last trip down the field but you know what happened with dak prescott on that last play it sounded like that uh kellen moore i believe the offensive coordinator for the cowboys called the quarterback draw dak ran it and everybody has said that that play was pure idiocy in the making because they didn't have any timeouts left, so they used the middle of the field, and uh, they obviously ran out of time. Uh, so my quick thought on that before we get into next week's uh, this week's action, I actually didn't think it was a bad call, y'all. I actually thought that the quarterback draw was kind of clever in that spot because um, obviously San Francisco's not expecting it. Uh, so... The middle of the field was wide open. They had Dallas had moved like maybe 50 yards almost down the field 
using the sidelines, which San Francisco let them have. It wasn't until that last play where San Francisco finally smartly said, okay, we're actually going to put literally put all of our defenders on the sideline. And they just left the middle of the field butt naked open, you know what I'm saying? And so it kind of became like, all right, well, we don't have a choice but to use the middle of the field. We cannot, we cannot use the sidelines because they're literally not going to allow us to go out of bounds. Uh, and because they know we're going to run out of time if we try to do anything, you know, try to go down the middle of the field all the way to the end zone. And so Dallas called the quarterback draw. Dak was on like the 40 yard line and he ran all the way to the 24. That's where he got in trouble. It was the, the play worked. It was just poor execution because they didn't leave themselves enough time, obviously, to spike the ball. If Dak, if Dak slides at the 27 yard line, if Dak slides at the 30, he gets 10 quick yards, he gets 13 quick yards and gets down, I think they have enough time to spike it and get up and or get up and spike the ball and stop the clock. But what we saw was Dak got a little greedy. He went all the way to the 24-yard line and then they ran out of time and of course the umpire <laughs> who twice in that game did the Cowboys no favors because he was running in late to spot the ball. Um and and that's where they really got hung up and and that's where the game kind of ended for them. But yeah, I didn't think it was that bad of a call. It's like it was just it was a good call, but just poor execution. I mean, it's it's like you drop a play and a receiver's open and the quarterback hits him in the hands and the guy drops the ball. Was it a bad play? No, it just wasn't executed correctly. Uh, this was the same thing. Like uh, the quarterback failed to execute the play correctly. He he almost did, but he he didn't get down soon enough. He he waited too late and essentially ran out of time. If he gets down a few yards sooner, I think they have a couple seconds to spike the, to spike the ball and stop the clock. Now the question then becomes, what do they do with that time? Because they would only have one shot at it from about the thirty yard line, and maybe that's better than a hail mary. But they could have just stuck where they stayed where they were at the forty and taken two shots from the forty with about fourteen seconds left. So you either throw two quote-unquote Hail Mary passes from the 40-yard line with 14 seconds left. You get two cracks at it, assuming San Francisco doesn't intercept the first one. Or you or you don't take a sack or something, or get tackled in bounds. And then the other option is to do what they did and get down 10, 10 yards closer and get one crack at it from about the 30. So two shots from the 40, one shot from the 30. You could debate which option would be better, but what's not better is what they did. <laughs> Which is run down the middle of the field, get tackled, and not spike the ball. So, um, but good, good. The 49ers deserved to win. The Cowboys shot themselves in the foot so many times in that game; it was absurd. They, they got, they, their feet looked like what I imagine SpongeBob SquarePants feet looked like, just holes left and right. Um, and it was just not, you know, Dallas didn't deserve to win. They just did not play smart, uh, accountable football in any way, shape, or form with all the pre-snap penalties and just all the penalties in general. They were just not. Uh, prepared going into that game and so it showed in that game though San Francisco did lose Joey or excuse me Nick Bosa and Fred Warner Um, I'm hearing now that it sounds like Bosa although he has not cleared the league's concussion protocol is going to play which I find fascinating (laughs) but but uh and I haven't heard an update on Fred Warner as of yet as as of this recording but I would not be shocked if he gave it a go um Speaking of teams that kind of screwed up down the stretch, the Raiders. I was really proud of my Raiders pick last week. Y'all, I had my chest out. You know, I was feeling good about it. I'm like, okay, I think they're really going to get Cincy, and nobody's going to see this coming but your boy. Uh, 
No, they lost, and they they had me looking foolish out here. Actually, again, the Raiders were close. I mean, they they drove down. They had a chance to win the game at the end, or at least tie it and, and force uh, overtime, or go for two and go for the win right there on the field, which I think they probably would have tried to do had they scored. Um, Derek Carr got the ball with uh, he had the ball with about thirty seconds left on the ten yard line and spiked it on first down, and that proved to be a costly decision. Um, because the Raiders needed that extra down to try to get the ball in the end zone. And so on fourth down, they ended up throwing an interception. So that was not a good look for the Raiders. But, uh, yeah, I thought that they would have had a shot. And um, and and they did. I mean, they, they went toe-to-toe with Cincinnati. Cincinnati was uh, – they looked like the more talented team. But at the same time, they weren't great. Like, Joe Burrow was very good. He wasn't – special he wasn't great jamar chase was pretty great but other than that like were you really overly impressed by the Bengals? Mm, not really so um we'll see what they do this week and we'll talk about that in a minute but um i was a little disappointed in the raiders not coming through for my upset pick this is all this is all this is about this is the pure selfishness of getting my picks right that's all this is at this point i'm just trying to look smart y'all on my own podcast I mean, I'm not even gambling on these games, which I should be. I mean, I've, I've made money gambling on football before, but I, you know, at this point, I'm not even doing it, and and I probably should <laughs> make myself a little bit of scratch after coming off the Christmas holidays. You know, what I'm saying that hits hard every year, but um, it felt like the Colts Bills game last year. You guys remember the Colts played the Bills at Buffalo in the first wild card game and i had the colts in an upset and the colts i swear to god the colts were better they they had some kind of weird stat it was like the colts were the i don't remember what it was but the colts were like the first team ever to like outgain the other team by 100 yards and win the turnover battle and you know something else you know and still lose the game like they were like the first team ever to do it i have to look up the stat at some point but it it was something like that it was bizarre like the 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 idea that they would have lost that game considering how they outplayed buffalo frankly was was shocking and so um you know it it is what it is and speaking of shocking performances the arizona cardinals man what the hell was that <laughs> What was that? You mean to tell me you guys got rid of Josh Rosen for that? You guys cast Josh Rosen aside for that performance from Kyler Murray? Are you serious? What was that? They looked like they never even played a football game before. They were so shook in that game. I mean, they looked like, uh, I don't even, I mean, uh, that that was like uh, uh, Cincinnati going into the, to the uh, <laughs> the championship game or the semifinal against Alabama, like that, like they just didn't belong on the same field. Like that's how that came off. Kyler Murray, I didn't expect him to be great. I I told y'all I didn't. I'm not really a Kyler fan. He I, he has talent, but I'm not a Kyler fan really, and I'm not a Cliff Kingsbury fan. And uh, and I expected the Rams to win, and boy did they. Um, but they clearly weren't ready. We just thought it'd be more competitive, a more competitive game than that. But yeah, man, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna say it again. Like I can't believe they got rid of Josh Rosen for that. Like yeah, they got to the playoffs, man. But I'm never gonna admit defeat on Josh Rosen, y'all. I will never admit defeat on Josh Rosen. That kid was the tenth pick in the draft, and they did everything they could do as a franchise to not invest in his success. Is uninvest a word? Deinvesting? That's what they did. They they deinvested in Josh Rosen in Arizona. And after a year, they they cast him aside, and he hasn't been the same since. He hasn't shown that same promise since then. And you know, he gets thrown into different systems, and he's under different coordinators and different 
playbooks and every single year even in college he was in like a bunch of different systems and so you know I'm not shocked that he hasn't panned out as a professional after that rookie season he's the exact opposite of Baker Mayfield Baker Mayfield's gotten every opportunity Josh Rosen got no opportunities and so um no, he, I, I don't know that he couldn't have worked out in, under different circumstances. The, the, he wasn't given a chance. And so here we are, Kyler Murray. Now they've they kind of flipped things around. They've given Kyler Murray every opportunity to look good in Arizona, brought in a special head coach just for him, just for his skill set, brought in skill weapons just for him. And they came out looking like, you know, saying they look like trash would be an insult to trash. That's how bad it looked. But yeah, after all the blowouts from Wild Card Weekend, and there were several of them, I'm not sure we really know what to expect from this weekend. You know, we know that the the Cardinals, Eagles, Patriots, and Steelers were not on the divisional round level of the NFL this year. They just were not. I feel like we have the correct eight teams playing this weekend, which is a good thing. Um, but now, like, how do we then make sense of that though? Like, if if the competition was so out of whack last week. How do we know how last week's teams stack up compared to the teams that were on by, Tennessee and Green Bay? I think the most important things that we need to realize is that all these teams could lose. No outcome this weekend would surprise me in terms of who wins and who loses. Now, how they win and lose, maybe that could be surprising. But I could see any team winning and I could see any team losing. And so without further ado, let's get into it with my guest, Vince Hicks. All right, and I want to welcome Vince Hicks back to the podcast. Vince, how you doing this evening? I'm good, brother. Appreciate you having me. I'm glad to be here, ready to talk uh, football again, even though my Browns ain't there, but good football this weekend coming up. Well, yeah, it's because the Browns aren't there, it's good football. If, if the Browns were there, then it would not be good football. I mean, I think we know that about the Browns at this point, unfortunately. And, you know, we love them. I love them. You love them. They hate us. That's what I said last week. The Browns hate their fans, or so it appears. They do. Um, and, uh, you know, they... I'm second that. Yeah. Okay, so so I'll give you 30 seconds real quick then. I'll give you 30 seconds uh, uh, just as a fan, because I, I know you love the team, and you've been a Browns fan longer than, than I have, because you're older than me. G- give me your 30-second uh, synopsis on the season, or 60-second synopsis on the season, what you think went wrong, what we need to do in the offseason, that kind of thing. The floor is yours. Uh, well, what went wrong is the football team has a hard time playing with expectations. I mean, I think they always have. The Browns are better as a sleeper team, but expectations are really tough on the team, especially when you got the quarterback at the helm that should not be starting in the NFL. Not in my city, definitely, but not in the NFL. You know what I'm saying? And I, that's where it boils down to. I mean... To me, the two biggest uh, reasons why the Browns are not in the playoffs is one, Baker Mayfield, and two, which is one one B, would be Joe Woods in defense. And I think the Browns have the defense to be an excellent defensive football team, the uh, talent as far as personnel, but uh, the scheme is not good, and... He does nothing 
at right at the right time. So I don't I don't like him as a D coordinator, but they have to stick with that scheme because they're really heavy defensive back. They don't have linebackers. If they're going to change D coordinators, they're going to have to get somebody that plays a kind of Tampa two or something where you got a lot of D backs, or they're going to have to draft heavy linebackers in this draft. But number one is Baker Mayfield. He's not a starting quarterback. The injury hurt him a little bit, but he's thoroughly inconsistent. He's beaten bad teams when he's good, and he's the average quarterback at best. And the Browns are wasting their window with this guy at quarterback, and it proved, he proved it this year. So everything you just said about Baker, uh, I already went in on last week. So I don't want to I don't want to belabor that point too much because I, I agree about him being inconsistent and everything else, um, and and just not being up to par. You can, the guy can't cut the mustard like like we don't have to you know pussyfoot around it and, and yeah. sugarcoat it. But um, but you know Joe Woods, that's an interesting perspective I, I i clearly the browns organization does not value the linebacker position uh jeremiah owusu Moa had a tremendous rookie season other than yes, that other than that there's really not a lot to write home about about the browns linebacking core and the browns haven't really i mean who was the last really excellent linebacker they had like joe Schobert was pretty good before that it was like jameer miller <laughs> like yeah andre andre davis you know like yeah it, they, 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 they've always uh been light at linebacker I mean, but the scheme that he plays, they didn't draft, you know what I'm saying? They didn't pick really linebackers. They picked kind of hybrid guys. And, like, you had um, Phillips, who was hurt all year. You know what I'm saying? We, we got the injury bug, too. Not only yeah. did we have the COVID thing, we had the injury bug bad, too. Right. I mean, you know, like our safeties, Delpit and the guys and Phillips. and Like, these guys. All the LSU guys. Yeah, exactly. All the greedy. other guys, greedy Williams, all of them. <laughs> yeah, you, you, all got you, hurt. You're going you, exactly. So you're going through COVID protocols, and you can't get team chemistry. And then you got guys that you drafted to be impact players, and they're all been hurt multiple games, not just one or two games, six games, eight games, ten games. So it's kind of hard to get going. But I just don't like the way he runs the scheme. When he should blitz, he doesn't blitz. When he should play coverage, he doesn't play. It's, it's just it, it was horrible, some of the things that went down this year on defense. And I actually think the Browns have talent, short of the linebacker position. But the defense you play, you don't need really, really strong linebackers. You just need good tacklers. Yeah. So. Well, enough about the Browns. I love the Browns, but, you know, they're not in the playoffs. So let's talk about the teams that are actually vying for the Vincent Lombardi Trophy still uh there are eight teams left i said a moment ago i think the right eight teams are here i think these are the best eight teams uh the best four teams in each conference i I don't think we've had any real mistakes um so we'll start we'll just go in order i guess at the games so cincinnati is traveling to tennessee uh the titans are three and a half point favorites uh as of this recording last i checked anyway uh the the titans are probably the most slept on one seed I can remember in a long, long time. Um, I would and, agree. And they're coming with with Derrick Henry, um, who's supposed to play. I mean, it sounds like he's going to play. I don't know if, you know, what kind of impact he's going to have. I mean, really, it doesn't sound like he's 100% still. It sounds like, you know, oh, Derrick Henry had a, 
uh, 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 he took some contact at practice. Like, it's the same exactly. the reports that are coming out. Like, if the reports are two days before the playoff game that he's just now taking contact at practice, I'm not so sold that he's going to be like ready for prime time, especially as, because Derrick Henry's a bruising type back. You know what I mean? So, I yeah, I don't really know what we could expect from him realistically. But in spite of his absence, I mean, Tennessee still finished 12 and five and they finished with the top record in the conference, Vince. I mean, like after he got hurt in the Colts game in Indianapolis, I believe after that game, they still went, what is it? Uh, what like seven and three or six and three, something like that. Yeah, something went, like that. I think it was six and three to end the season after that. Um, you know, didn't, didn't play a murderer's row necessarily, but they did win at, at the LA Rams. They won at home against the 49ers. Those are playoff teams. So yeah. uh, what, what do you make of this game? How, how are you seeing this contest unfolding? Who do you, who do you think is going to win and what should we expect? Uh, this is actually all the games for me are kind of tough toss-up games. I got winners and losers, but I wouldn't uh, bet money. I wouldn't bet the house on any of these games. But this one in particular is a tough one for me because the fact that Derrick Henry – is not 100% healthy, and I'm almost sure he's not 100% healthy. They're going to trot him out there because you at least need to uh, put some kind of fear in the Cincinnati Bengals that he may be up to par. So they're going to trot him out. I don't know, like you said, I don't know what kind of impact he's going to have on the game. This is tough because Tennessee did win without him, and they're at home, and they are the one seed, and – the Bengals, this is their first playoffs in 30 years. Like, you don't know what to expect. Yeah, they got over the hump last week. They uh, showed some signs like they wanted to get I mean, the they game really shouldn't have got over the hump last week. <laughs> I was saying that earlier. Exactly. Like, they really, they really kind of lucked out at the end there. And they had that other touchdown that with the whistle and all that stuff. Exactly. So they barely got over the hump. But this is going to be my upset pick. I'm picking the Bengals to go into Tennessee and win. And the thing I'm going to pick them for is because they didn't have a great game last week and they probably shouldn't be here, but they are here. And I don't think Derrick Henry's going to be 100% healthy. And that just puts it to me, uh, Ryan Tannehill versus Joe Burrow. And I'm going to have to go with Burrow to, on this one. And they have a nice running game. He has weapons around him. So I think they're going to be able to put up some points on Tennessee. And I don't know if Henry is not able to run the football the way that we expect Derrick Henry to run the football that Tennessee was going to keep up. So I'm going with the Bengals, maybe three to seven point victory, maybe 3.5 points that the uh, Titans got. I may give to the Bengals and I'm going with the Bengals on this one. So, yeah, I mean, Henry is expected to play, but obviously he hasn't played since week eight. Um, here's my thing about, about the, the Titans. Again, they're the most unassuming one seed we've probably seen in recent memory. They don't have a star quarterback. Their star player is at a position that many people have felt have, has become obsolete in terms they, of... Yeah, they devalue that position. Yeah, they devalue that position. I mean, obsolete is not the right word, but they, they certainly devalue the running back position. Unfairly, I might add, because... I would you know, agree. What, they, what happens is, is when a running back is, is leading the way for a team, that, that running back never gets the credit that they deserve. They never get the, 
the contract. I mean, they might get the contract, but if they do, they get ridiculed for it. And yeah, I get it. Running backs get hurt, you know, a lot, uh, a lot earlier than a lot of other positions. I get all that, but that doesn't mean that that they're not the reason why teams go to where they can go. Like, I mean, if you invest in a great running back and you have a great system around them and a great line, you can be the Rams of three years ago and have Todd Gurley leading you to the Super Bowl. Now, granted, Gurley was banged up on that run, but like they were based around Todd Gurley. They were a Todd Gurley-centric team and they went to the Very Super Bowl. True. Now, here's the thing with Tennessee, though. First of all, how, let me ask you this. How many, how many playoff games do you think Tennessee has played in the last four years? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, would you believe me if I told you that this is their seventh playoff game in the last four I years? I was going to say like six, actually, but I <laughs> because I know they had a couple long runs. I mean, a yeah. couple, in the last few years, they've had a couple good runs. That's what I'm saying. So, like, as, as unassuming as they are, this is not their first rodeo. We know that the Bengals ain't been to the playoffs in 30 years, and then they, and they won last week by the skin of their teeth, right? Tennessee's That's not true. that team. Tennessee has been no. in big games. Tennessee has they been have. in the belly of the beast. Tennessee has gone to Baltimore and won a playoff game. Tennessee has gone toe-to-toe with Kansas City at Arrowhead. Like, Tennessee, man, like, I'm not saying that they're world beaters or anything like that, but, like, we can't judge them based on the fact that you know, Ryan Tannehill is not a superstar quarterback and they don't have this uh, a defense with a nickname or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, no, those... They have a good track record in the playoffs. You're absolutely correct. So, so when I think about it, I'm like, okay, this is, the, this is Tennessee's third consecutive trip to the playoffs. And you talked about the Browns being unable to live up to expectations. Maybe Tennessee doesn't have the highest expectations. They certainly didn't have the, the drama entering the season around them that the Browns did. But Tennessee is in the playoffs for the third year in a row, that's nothing to sneeze at. A lot of teams can't say that. I would venture to guess that most teams can't say they made the playoffs three years in a row. So here they are, third year in a row, and uh, I believe this is the the fourth out of five years that they've made the playoffs. The fourth year out of five. And this is their seventh playoff game in the last four years. So, I mean, they're a well-coached team. And when I looked at the Cincinnati game, that they played last week, Joe Burrow leaned heavy on Jamar Chase. And, you know, who could blame him, right? Because Jamar Chase is awesome. And they have this rapport that dates back to LSU. But to me, I mean, like, I I didn't see enough of Joe Burrow spreading the ball around to make me feel comfortable. When I look at Tennessee, I feel like, you know, you know Mike Vrabel falls under the Belichick coaching tree. We know yeah. Belichick, in, in a way, I guess. I don't know if he was ever actually an assistant under Belichick, but we know he he played his, you know, most of his career there, cut his teeth there, all that stuff. Exactly. A, I don't think and it's Belichick's out of going to take away your uh, your strength. Exactly. The, the, the Belichick way is to take care, take away your strength, and not let the strength beat you. And I think Frable will try to do that. Uh, limit the chase and uh, Burrow thing. I I think. Um, the Bengals running game is going to do some things that is unexpected and it's going to help Burrow this week because I think the Bengals have a pretty underrated running game. I mean, so they're going to have to, I think Joe Mixon is good, but he's kind of up and down. Like I think he's talented, but he'll have some good games and then he'll have some, some weird duds like 
where he just yeah. averaged like 2.9 yards a carry. And it's like, what the hell was that, Joe Mixon? So, I mean, I, I think that there's, there's opportunity there, but I think they're going to have to do that because if I were a betting man, which I have prone to be in the past, but, but not necessarily at the present, <laughs> uh, I would venture to guess that I, Mike Rabel is going to try like hell to, to, to limit Jamar Chase and his impact because he is the head of the snake. You cut off the head, the body will die. And I don't think Mike Vrabel at home is going to, you know, with, with, you know, a week, maybe, you know, two weeks to prepare, whatever, however you want to look at it. I don't yeah. think he's going to allow Jamar Chase to just come in there and catch nine balls for 116 yards like he did against the Raiders. You know, the Raiders were, statistically speaking, not a very good defense and, uh, and Jamar Chase ate him up. And so yeah. I, I just find it hard to believe that Vrabel, who, who like you said, is, is uh, of the Belichick uh, uh, tree, so to speak. I don't think that he would allow that. And when I look at Tennessee, they do have an excellent run defense. That's the other thing. So if Thank Joe you. Mixon is going to have an impact, it may be tough sledding. I just look at this Titans team and I say, okay, this is a team that beat four other teams that, that are playing this weekend. I don't yeah. even know. I don't know if anybody else can say that. I don't know if any of the other teams can actually say that. Maybe I'd have to really think about it, but they beat Kansas City and Buffalo in consecutive weeks. They beat the Rams and they beat the 49ers. So, yeah. and some of that was with Derrick Henry. Some of that was without Derrick Henry. And even without Derrick Henry, uh, Deontay Foreman, Looked pretty good in his place. He had, I think, three 100-yard games to close out the season. Yeah, he looked, he looked pretty decent. And, and he averaged the same, actually, the same amount of yards per carry this year as Derrick Henry, believe it or not. And so, um, you know, I just think that Tennessee's good enough uh, defensively on the defensive line to take advantage of the Bengals' inability to protect Burrow. Burrow, only half of his line is good. The other half is not so good. So I don't think that they'll be able to keep him clean all game like they did against the Raiders for the most part. And I actually like Tennessee to win the game. I like Tennessee to win, and I like them to cover the three and a half, not by a lot. And um, and something to you that you said at the at the outset, any outcome, you know, any outcome could could happen this weekend, and you wouldn't be surprised. Like I could see any any of these eight teams um, winning this weekend, and it would not be a shock by any stretch. But um, but I think Tennessee's going to get this one. I think they're going to win, and it, I feel like. I don't know what I don't know who the money's coming in on, like what side of the, the I don't know where the sharps are betting or whatever, but I feel like the uh, the the average fan is probably leaning more like how you're thinking that you know Derrick Henry's not there, Tennessee's not all that impressive. I like Cincinnati's offense; they're high powered. They got this hot shot quarterback. Like I'm gonna pick the Bengals, and I think I think a lot of people are probably picking the Bengals and sleeping on Tennessee and not really respecting their infrastructure, uh, their experience. And their talent, frankly. And, you know, we know A.J. Brown's a beast. Julio's back healthy-ish, about as healthy as he's going to be. Exactly. And we know Tennessee could take the ball away with Kevin Byard in the secondary. I I think the Titans win. I want to see it, but I'm I'm just leaning towards the Bengals. Like, I don't – if I was a betting man, I probably wouldn't bet on the Bengals because they haven't been in the playoffs in 30 years. I just got a feeling that it's going to be unexpected because – you don't expect teams to, like the Browns last year, teams that uh, have, haven't been in the playoff in years, win their wild card game or win the first playoff game. You don't expect them to go on somewhat of a longer run. But I, I just, I hate to say it because if the Bengals get to the AFC Championship before the Browns, I'm really going to be upset. But 
I think I'm going to pick the Bengals. <laughs> I, I mean, think I'm going with the Bengals. I mean, they, they could do it. I mean, like I said, like, yeah, they, I mean, they haven't been there since it was what Sam Weish and Boomer Esiason. You know what I mean? That was, yeah. that was a long time ago. Well, so long, no, long time I, ago. I, I think I'm going to lean on the fact that Tennessee's been here recently, like as recently as 12 months ago, they were, they were playing um, in these NFL playoffs. And so, uh, give me the Titans. Vince got the Bengals. Um, we'll move on to the to the Saturday night game, and, and this should be a great one. The 49ers are traveling to Green Bay, where the Packers are five-and-a-half-point favorites. They were six-point favorites, Vince, and, and the line has dropped to five-and-a-half, so you know that means money's coming in on, on the Niners. Uh, it is. How do, you, how do you see this game unfolding? Didn't uh, the 49ers beat Green Bay this year? Did they? I'm glad you mentioned that. The, so uh, they should have. <laughs> they should have okay. beaten Green Bay. Um, that actually was – so that was a week three matchup. That was one of the better games of the year. I actually went back and rewatched the highlights from that game just to kind of like refresh my memory on it. And, man, okay. that was a great game. It was a Sunday night football game in San Francisco. And the Packers got out to a 17-0 lead. Uh, Rodgers went uh, 261 and two touchdowns on 23 of 33 passing. Um, but despite getting out to that 17-point lead, the Niners came back and took the lead with under 40 seconds left in the game. Rodgers went down in four plays and got them in field goal range, and then Mason Crosby kicked the game-winning field goal at the buzzer. So that's how that okay, first game Okay, now I, I, I do remember that. I do remember how that played out. For some reason, I, I thought... Uh, the Niners uh, snuck that one out, but I do remember that now. But it, but to your point, I mean, this is a one seed versus a six seed. This doesn't feel like a one seed versus a six seed. It does. Saw them play. Not at all. Granted, it was in San Francisco, but we saw them play each other to the wire earlier this year. And granted, it was early in the season. Um, you know, I think the part that frustrated a lot of f- football fans was, um, you know, just for, uh, I guess fans of defensive football, I should say was the, the fact that Rodgers went down the field uh, <laughs> unimpeded uh, at the end of the game. Now, Rodgers is great, and I, and I should have mentioned this, this, um, this comeback by Rodgers in, in the last week's podcast when I talked about MVP voting, and, and, and I, I, I went on a, a whole uh, soliloquy diatribe about how Tom Brady should be MVP over Aaron Rodgers. But uh, Rodgers, and I, and I mentioned Brady's fourth-quarter comebacks. Well, this is a fourth-quarter comeback that Rodgers had that I should give him credit for. Um, but at the same time, he was he had four plays and he was looking one direction. He was looking at Devontae Adams, Devontae Adams, Adams Devontae Adams, Adams, Devontae Adams, and he mixed in a spike. He spiked the ball once, but he got he got a big play to Adams, and then he spiked it, and then he threw an incompletion to Adams, and then he got another completion to Adams, and then that was it near in field goal range. So I was like, this guy is like leaning on this one great receiver. Who could blame him? But it worked, you know what I'm saying? And and they got yeah. off the field goal range. When I, so I, I don't think they, I don't think San Francisco can stop Devontae Adams. Like I don't I don't think, you know, I'm not gonna disrespect Rodgers and Adams to say that. But here's what I'll say about the Packers, which I find interesting, is that as far as one seeds go, we talked about Tennessee, the most unassuming one seed. I feel like Green Bay, I don't I'm not gonna they're not the most overrated one seed that we've seen, but they are an extremely beatable one seed i mean like people talk about the packers as though they cannot be beaten and i get it because winning games at lambeau was hard and winning night games at lambeau was hard and beating aaron Rodgers anywhere is hard but but 
I I don't know, man. Like, what what are the Packers great at? Like, they they have a great connection between that quarterback and that receiver. That's very and, true. And, and maybe that's enough. But other than that, what are they great at? I actually dug into some numbers, and I found that they're not really special at anything. <laughs> the only thing that they're really special at is minimizing mistakes or minimizing turnovers because they don't turn the ball over because Rodgers doesn't throw any picks. Don't turn the ball over. Yeah. Right. And uh, so they have the fewest giveaways in the league, and they're the least penalized team in the league. So that means they're, they are well-coached. They, they seem to be well prepared. They don't make mistakes. They're not going to beat themselves. And you can go a long way in the NFL not beating not yourself. Not beating yourself. Exactly. Right. Now, what happens when they do make a mistake? I don't know. What happens if, you know, like Rodgers threw a pick at the end of the first half against Tampa last year, and then Brady and the Bucks turned it into six points right, right after that? Or what happens when Aaron Jones fumbles on the first series in the third quarter and then Tampa scores again? Like, I don't know how they respond if things don't go well or don't go according to plan, but they, they're not going to beat themselves, Green Bay. They're not going to commit a bunch of dumb penalties, and they're not going to turn the ball over more than likely. So that's, that's kind of where we're left thinking, like, that's what's special about Green Bay. But they're not special on defense. They're not, no. Their run game is rated high, and they have good backs, but they're not, their run game isn't special. I mean, their, their receiving core, aside from Devontae Adams, is not special. <laughs> their defense has some players on it. Uh, Jair Alexander is supposed to be back. Zadarius Smith is supposed to be back. But their defense isn't special. You know what I mean? They don't, no. they don't get after the quarterback. They're not one of the league leaders in sacks. They don't lead the league in takeaways or anything like that. Like, what is it about this team that makes people think that they're so unbeatable when we've seen them come up short in the playoffs year after year after year? I mean, do you have any insight into that? I don't. I mean, when you got an MVP candidate every year, great players hide things. And yes, look at uh, another sport, but like LeBron, like you automatically think whatever team LeBron puts together is going to go to a championship because he hides all the faults and the flaws of his teammates until he does it. You know what I'm saying? And then it's like, oh, they weren't that good. And I think that's what uh, Green Bay is. It's like Rodgers, and like you said, with the connection with Devontae Adams, hides all the other flaws and you don't see them. And you're waiting for that game where Rodgers turns a pick, uh, throws a pick, or they turn the ball over uh, or get penalties like they don't normally do. And then you say, oh, this team is not really that good. If you can stop this guy or make him make mistakes, then you have a good chance at beating them. But with that being said, they don't turn the ball over. Rodgers doesn't put put the ball on the ground or throw picks. Uh, they don't get a lot of penalties. Like, you've mentioned everything that I was going to say. They, It's hard to win that Lambeau. It's hard to win that Lambeau in January. It's hard to win that Lambeau in January at night. And the thing that happened with the Bucks last year, you got Tom Brady on the other side. This time, if they turn the ball over, you got Jimmy G on the other side, and I don't think he makes him pay like Tom Brady. So he I'm might turn it right Packers. back over to you. <laughs> exactly. That's why I'm going with the Packers. That's, I mean, that thing right there, like you said, you can go a long way in the NFL not beating yourself. They don't really beat themselves. It's a hard place to play in January or any cold months. It's, 
they have uh, a the fan base there, the weather, the stadium, the aura, the whole thing is going to be tough to go in there and beat. Now, if you got a Hall of Fame quarterback or a, a stud on the other side that can make them pay if they make that one or two mistakes, then I would go the other way. But if the 49ers had an upgrade from Jimmy G, not to say he's the worst quarterback in the league, or but if, if they had an upgrade at quarterback, I would probably p- be picking the Niners in this game, but I just can't do it. That's completely fair. So looking at the Packers, they're, they ranked eighth in passing yards per game this year. I mean, you think of them, they have, they have a, they have a, Rodgers is going to win the MVP. I don't think he should. I think he's not a bad choice, but I don't think he should. I think I think Brady and the Bucks offense was way more prolific this year. And Brady agree. and Brady had to be just based on the nature of how things played out for each of their teams, respectively. Um, the Tampa's offense was built around Brady, but they, it also required Brady to do more. And he did do more. And so you would so you would think of Green Bay as having this prolific offense. Well, they, they finished eighth in passing yards. They finished 18th in rushing yards per game. They finished 10th in points scored. So again, yeah. not like, you know, not bad, certainly not bad, but like you would think that an Aaron Rodgers led offense would not be 10th in the league. And you would think they'd be like fourth. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you would I, think so. And, and defensively, as far as points allowed, they allowed nearly 22 points a game, which is tied for 19th. So again, not especially great on offense, not especially. Great on defense. It doesn't appear. I mean, we know Rodgers is great, so I'm not trying to take anything away from him. But on the whole, it doesn't feel like this team is is uh, beyond the point where they cannot be beaten. Meanwhile, when you look at San Francisco, first of all, I like their swagger. Have you seen yeah. the stadium with the dude with the boombox? I have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yo, like, I'm I'm kind of digging that. Like, I'm just I'm digging that the, they they feeling themselves right now. In they San are. And, and this is the time to be feeling yourself. Exactly. Exactly. This is the time to be feeling yourself. Like you need to have that level of confidence. Like you're going to walk in and beat some ass in Lambo. Like you, like it takes balls. It takes balls to, to beat a, a team that's better than you on paper. Like, especially a team that has, and we're going to get to this when we talk about Kansas city and, and Buffalo, but like, it's going to take balls for Buffalo to beat them. What, what you see happen is I think a lot of times people get, they find themselves in awe of Tom Brady and they find themselves in awe of Patrick Mahomes and, or, or like the Patriots when Brady was there or teams like that, Rodgers, where these guys make mistakes and they, they throw it and it'll bounce right off their chest and they can't believe they dropped it. But it's just like you had an interception in your hands and you just put it on the ground because you, you, you just don't, you don't have the, the, you know, in, intestinal fortitude to be like, no, we're gonna beat these motherfuckers to, today. You know what I'm saying? Like, exactly. You need that if you're gonna beat a team like the Packers in Lambo. So, I think San Francisco has that, and it's it's most exemplified in their two best skill position players, Debo Samuel and George Kittle. Those two dudes are football players of the highest order. They and, are. And I would, I mean, like, those dudes have attitude, and they bring it with them every single Sunday. Do you know that the Niners, in the first meeting that we talked about, they only ran the ball 21 times in that game total. 
uh, Jimmy G threw uh, a ton of passes. He, I think he threw over 40 passes in that game. Not a recipe for success traditionally from the 49ers. Um, and I think yeah. one of those carries was Jimmy G on a scramble. So they really only ran the ball at 20 times. Elijah Mitchell is the rookie that's been uh, very, very good for San Francisco. He didn't play in that game. And Debo Samuel, who's been a, a, a revelation as a, as, a, as a receiver playing running back, essentially, he's the best running back on the team and he plays wide receiver. He only got yeah. the ball twice on handoffs in that game. So this is kind of a new wrinkle. And I'll tell you, speaking of new wrinkles, Vince, I would not be shocked if we saw some Trey Lance packages in this game. Because we know Jimmy, I, I think they would do so. Yeah, because we I know think they, they would do that. Kitchen sink, and we know Jimmy G's banged up already. He's got the shoulder thing going. He already had the injured hand going into last week. So I really believe that we could see Trey Lance uh, appear in a package or two. Which I mean, if you see him, it's like a ninety percent chance he's going to run the ball. But are the Packers going to be prepared for that? I hope that they are for their sake. But I think that between Elijah Mitchell being back and healthy, between Debo Samuel running the ball, and the threat of Trey. Lance running the ball himself. Um, Brandon Ayuk caught a touchdown in that first game, but he had an up and down year, but he's, he's up right now. And like I said, George Kittle and Debo set the tone for this team. I know that Nick Bosa is not healthy. It sounds like he's going to play. I don't really know how, but it sounds like he's going to play. I know Fred Warner's not healthy, but he may play. I feel like the Niners are going to pull this upset, man. And I mean, I told friend of the podcast, Anthony Houston, he asked me the other day, he said, why do you hate the Packers? And I'm like, yo, I don't hate the Packers. I don't. But I've picked the Packers too many times on this website and on this podcast in years past to get burned by them again. And so I said, you know what? No more. And then last year, I didn't pick them to, to beat Tampa Bay. I picked Tampa Bay to go in there and beat them. And guess what? Tampa went in there and beat their ass and won that football game. And so, you know, I mean, Green Bay, as, as talented as they are, they're not as good as people, I think, make them out to be. I think they are beatable, despite the fact that they're playing at home in Lambeau. And I feel like a team with attitude that's physical can go in there and push them around. Because we know that in the past, Rodgers is 0-3 in his playoff career against the 49ers. And in all of those games, San Francisco just went in there and pushed Green Bay around. And they were the tougher team. Um, despite being coached by different people and having different personnel, they just pushed them around because they were tougher. And I feel like this is setting up with, between Debo and Mitchell and Kittle. Like, this is kind of setting up for another, you know, hey, man, we're going to push you around type of thing. And, and I've seen it too many times from the Packers to where they just fold in situations like this. And so it would not shock me, obviously, to see Green Bay win this game. But I'm going to pick the Niners in an upset. Um, you know, the Packers have a lot of guys coming back. Jair Alexander, Whitney Merciless, Bakhtiari could be back. Darius Smith's going to be back. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it is a toss-up game, but I, I just see the swagger in the 49ers and the way they're playing right now, and I just, I just like what they're doing, and I think that we're going to see Debo and Kittle shine again, and I think we're going to see another disappointing end to a season for the Packers. Uh, so moving on to Sunday. Uh, the early game Sunday is Rams at Bucks. So that's the four-seed Rams at the two-seed Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um... The Bucs are three-point favorites at home. Tampa Bay has, since Brady's been in Tampa, the Rams have beat Brady twice. <laughs> uh, I believe once this year and once last year. But and, and Aaron Donald, I don't even think, played in the game last year, and they still beat Tampa in Tampa. They beat him earlier this year at the beginning of the season. Um, 
How do you see this one shaping up? What do you think are some of the keys to victory for each team? Well, the keys for victory for uh, Tampa is Brady being Brady. We can't have an up and down time. Like like you said earlier, the Bucks offense and team, in my opinion, goes as Brady goes. So we need a a, a dynamic performance from Brady. Um, they they got weapons everywhere. The offense is is as almost as dynamic as it gets in the league. And then you got a guy who knows how to win football games. But I, I need Brady on his A game. I just I, I need him on his A game. If he's not on his A game, that's why I said about every game, toss-up game. And the Rams are coming in off of a destruction of a football team who I said was a fraud in the gimmick anyway. So I kind of expected it. <laughs> They're coming off of a high. They destroyed a football team. Like you said, they beat uh, the Bucks earlier this year on the road. So they feel like they, they can win in Tampa Bay with Brady at the helm. I just don't know about the up and down that the Rams have been doing. They'll look good one game. Like, that's why they're the fourth seed. <laughs> because they had a chance to be yep. the first seed or the second seed, and they played an egg. Yep. And they needed to show up. So that's my problem with picking the Rams. Not only do it's hard for me to pick against Tom Brady. It's just for hard. Sure. It should be hard I mean, for everybody to pick it against It should be hard for everybody. They keep doing it. They keep doing it, Vince. I don't understand it. We're on 20 <laughs> years of this shit. And they just keep, <laughs> keep, they keep picking against them. I don't I don't I don't get it. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, it's yeah, no, it's definitely hard for me to pick against the GOAT. It's always hard. I mean, he has up and down games, and when they usually have down games, he usually the team usually loses because he's the catalyst to make the game go, uh, the team go. But I just think the offense is really, really dynamic. Uh, Aaron Donald and the Rams, they got pressure on Kyler Murray, but Kyler Murray held the ball a whole lot. He was trying to make big plays, and that's what Tom is not going to do. Uh, if you can get him to turn the ball over, you have a good chance, but he's not going to keep keep holding the ball. He's going to make the short passes. He's going to use five-yard passes as run plays to get first downs and to set up second and fives instead of uh, second and tens by throwing incompletions or holding the ball and getting sacked. So it's going to be tough because the Rams are inconsistent. They had a great game last week, this past week, and I don't see two great games. And then they're on the road. They were at home. Everything was rocking. And it's going to be tough going in there and beating Brady again in the playoffs. And I'm not sold on Stafford either. Like, it, mm. everybody predicted them to go to the Super Bowl. Like, oh, they got rid of Jared Goff and they got a, a real live arm. And they, But Stafford is a real live arm, but he also makes real live mistakes. The reason why the Rams went to the Super Bowl with Jared Goff because he didn't make mistakes. He didn't throw the ball and toss it everywhere all over the field, but he did not turn the ball over when he needed it. And Matthew Stafford is that guy, whether he's wearing blue Detroit Lions uniform or blue L.A. Rams uniform, he's still the same guy. And the inconsistency, he could light you up and kill you, and they, they did that last week, 
and Odell's involved and Cooper Cup is a tough matchup for every anybody every day of the week because he catches everything run great route but I'm just not sold on Stafford putting two back-to-back games together like that I'm I'm not sold on their defense being able to turn turn Tom Brady over like they turned Kyler Murray over and they're on the road I just, I'm, I'm going I, I'm just got to go with Brady and the Bucks. so you said a lot of good stuff there uh so we have a team in the Rams that are coming off a short week because they stupidly played on Monday. So Monday, now, yeah, I don't understand that either. So, so that's one less day of rest. Whereas Brady and the Bucks played early on Sunday. Um, ten, uh, the Rams played Monday night, and so now that's one less day of recovery. And then they're going to have to get on a plane and fly from Los Angeles to Tampa, Florida. So that's yep. not, that's not an ideal setup for them. Um, and. You know, when you think about the Rams, obviously you think about Aaron Donald and Aaron Donald's lack of health contributed to their inability to beat Green Bay at Lambeau last year. I think that a healthy Aaron Donald may have been the difference in the Rams actually pulling that upset against the Packers last year. But Donald didn't. I mean, he's never really been a huge X factor in these games against Brady for the exact reason that you mentioned that Tom is going to get rid of the ball quickly. His center is banged up, Ryan Jensen, so that's not great for the Bucs because not only is he a good player, but he's going to be matched up on the nose with Aaron Donald. And Aaron Donald, if, if, if Jensen's compromised or if he has a backup in there, Donald's just going to be um, tossing dude around, you know what I mean? Like yeah. like like it's no, like nothing, you know what I mean? Yeah, he's he gonna- tosses healthy starters around daily. So a backup <laughs> or unhealthy starter don't got a chance against right. that guy. He's going to be he's going to be throwing dudes <laughs> around like Goldberg, you know what I'm saying? So so we don't, you know, that's not great for the Bucks. But um having said that, what's that going to do to Brady? How's Brady going to counteract that? Well, he's either going to he's just going to throw the ball quickly, even more quickly than he did. And last week, we saw the Bucks run a ton of no huddle. I don't know if they're going to run as much no huddle in this game. You know, they they came right out the gate running no huddle against the Eagles. I don't know if they're going to yeah. do that in this game. But they we know it's a gear that they can go to because we just saw them do it and they I don't they hadn't really done that all year in the regular season and then they they come right out first possession of the playoffs and they just run a no huddle straight down the field touchdown and you know and Philly didn't even know what hit him. The Aaron Donald only had one hit on Brady in that Super Bowl three years ago where the Rams played the Patriots. He only had one hit on Brady when they played earlier this year and that was uh, a sack. But um but, you know, and granted, the Rams defense looks a little bit different now because they added Von Miller midseason. Yeah. Uh, they have Floyd on the other side. So, I mean, they're they're going to have a rush. I think it's one of those deals where we're going to know very early on what type of game it's going to be. And, and this is usually how it goes, in, in fairness. This is usually how it goes with, with Tom Brady. If the opposition is getting pressure on him early and, and you see it frustrating the Bucs early in the game, we know it's going to be a long afternoon for the game for the Bucks. Doesn't mean that they're going to lose. Dude, yeah, but, but it but it's going to be a difficult situation for them to overcome for the duration of the game. But if early on Tom is comfortable, he's back there, his jersey's clean, he's taking his time, he's getting rid of the ball quick, he's hitting his receivers, he's mixing it up, he's finding different targets, he's changing the play at the line, he's got the defense off balance. If it looks like anything like how that Eagles game looked like, then you know it's going to be a wrap early on. And the Rams, although it appears like you know they have an all-star cast of characters there, which they do, 
Um, their team is not really by the numbers all that special either. Nothing to write home about. Um, we're talking about their 15th in points and their 20, or excuse me, 15th in points allowed and 22nd in yards allowed. So while their defense has the ability to rise to the occasion, like we saw against the Cardinals last week, that was against a, a, a playoff virgin in Kyler Murray who was completely unprepared for what he was about to face. And they're facing the antithesis of that in Tampa, yeah. Florida, on the road, facing the most seasoned playoff performer in NFL history. <laughs> and, and he's going to be guiding the ship, no pun intended, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And so, um, you know, while I think that the Rams are capable of beating Tampa and pulling the upset, um, I'm not seeing it. I think Brady's going to stay away from Jalen Ramsey. I think he's built up enough confidence in his other receivers, although it may not necessarily be, um, you know, Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown. I think he's built up enough of a rapport with the other guys there that he's going to feel comfortable that even if Mike Evans is taken out of the game by Jalen Ramsey, He's going to be throwing it out of the backfield. I think Leonard Fournette's going to be back. So not only is Leonard Fournette going to run the ball, but he's going to be catching passes out of the backfield like he did all year. They basically converted him to a receiving back this year. He's not that great at it, but he's good enough to get the job done. And I think we're going to see the Bucs utilize some of their other weaponry. I think we're going to see a big Gronkowski game. Um, and, and I like the Bucs to win as well. Another factor that we should point out is the... Bucks, the the reason I think the biggest reason why the Bucks lost that game earlier this year is because for whatever reason they opted not to run the ball at all. It, it must have been a game planning situation, but they didn't run the ball, Vince, at all in that game earlier this year. I mean, Leonard Fournette had I think four carries in that game in Week Four. Um, playoff Lenny, as they call him, he averaged sixteen carries a game during the playoff run last year. So they were feeding him. And that's not counting, you know, him catching passes out of the backfield. That's not, that's not counting Ronald Jones getting some work. Um, I don't know if Ronald Jones is going to play this weekend. I think he's still injured. But the point is, is that I think we're going to see Leonard Fournette be a much bigger part of the game plan this week than he was in week four, where he only had four carries. And so between that, I mean, we even saw Keyshawn Vaughn get 17 rushes last week. So between, between all those factors, um, I think I think uh, between Fournette getting getting more involved, I think the Buccaneers um, are going to be in a position to to pull this game out. I think it's going to be a difficult one. Um, I I like the Buccaneers to narrowly cover uh, the five, uh, the three point spread, but um, but I think we're going to see Fournette be a big part of things on Sunday. I think the way to maybe the Rams can counteract that and to counteract Matt Stafford would be to get Cam Akers more involved. Cam Akers, who miraculously came back from a torn Achilles. Like five months ago. I don't know how that dude's even on the field. Like, how are you walking? Like, I know people that have torn their Achilles before. Like, that is no joke. (laughs) Like, that is that is a severe injury for anybody. That is a severe injury. Let alone for a professional athlete. And somehow that dude is is back um already. And he looked good last week against the Cardinals. He did look very good. So I mean if they give him more work. That could be an interesting wrinkle, and maybe he's able to provide some stability for the Rams' offense. He minimizes the need for Stafford to to throw the ball around a lot, make a lot of mistakes, and he keeps Brady off the field. Um, That would be how I would approach it. Um, And and I think you're right to not trust Matthew Stafford. I mean, he had eight interceptions in his last four regular season games. And so although he didn't have any last week, I think uh, that he may not be ready for this stage 
And I mean, for him to go on the road and beat the GOAT, I don't see it. Uh, give me the Bucks too. Uh, so that sets up Sunday night, Kansas City hosting the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are one and a half point um, underdogs at Kansas City. So the Chiefs, they were favored by two. Now it's down to one and a half. So that means some money's coming in on Buffalo. Um, what do you think of this matchup, man? This, is, this has all the makings of a heavyweight championship fight. And it, it does. This game, I think I've changed my pick three times in the last three days on who's going to win this game. And there's still time if you want to change it again. It's still a it's still a tough call, but for a lot of different reasons. I'm going to go with Buffalo. Oh, with you upset. lose Buffalo. <laughs> I don't think you're going to do it. I'm going, I'm going to go with Buffalo with the upset. And back and forth all week, it was like, I don't know if they're ready to go to uh, Kansas City and be crowned. They, to me, the Bills probably look like the best team in the AFC. But... They have had some letdowns too, but offensively and defensively, they look like the total package to me. But I was always worried about them being able to go into Kansas City and win the game. And I'm still not uh, uh, 100% sure because as of 24 hours ago, I had the Chiefs win it. So, I mean, and since today is only Thursday, it may change two more times before the game actually starts. <laughs> but <laughs> right. I'm going to pick the Bills because I think they are the best uh, all-around team in the AFC. I think um, they their football team is built to go into a, a harsh environment and win games. The way they play ball defensively, the way they take away the ball, the way they can run the football with their quarterback, but he can also make the throws. Like you, It's hard to get a quarterback that can – get you a first down on a fourth and one that can get you a first down on a fourth and six that can get you a fourth down on a fourth and 15. This guy can kind of do it all. And it's with his arms and his legs. Yep. And he's becoming the, that, that stable guy, like the guy that knows his uh, strengths and knows his weaknesses and knows how to play. Uh, well with his strengths and kind of avoid the weaknesses. And I think that's what they need. A guy that's really consistent, that can uh, make the play, like I said, with his arm and his legs when needed, and knows his limitation and knows how to lead a team. And I think the guys on the team follow him. I think he is the leader on that team. And I just, the, the, the Chiefs back to back and play, like, I, Somebody has to be able to come in there and beat him. And I think the Browns could have won last year if they had a better QB. And I think that Buffalo is going to go in there with the better QB and that knows his strengths and weaknesses and pull off that upset in Kansas City. You and I were together in Inglewood, California when uh, the, the, on the day that the Buffalo Bills went into Kansas City earlier this year. 
mm-hmm. and destroyed the Chiefs. So we were yes. together. We actually went to the Browns Chargers game, that high scoring affair out in SoFi. Um, and that night we we stayed at the Airbnb and we watched the the Chiefs play the Bills and they smacked the Chiefs in Arrowhead 38 to 20. In that game, Josh Allen, 15 for 26, 315 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, he had a 139.1 passer rating and a 94 QBR. Granted, uh, there was at least one blown coverage in that game that yeah. <laughs> um, that that helped pad those stats a little bit. But uh, uh, he also ran 11 times for 59 yards and a touchdown as well. So um, he basically had everything working. And then he was even better than that last week against Belichick and the Patriots, 21 to 25, 308 yards, five touchdowns, no picks, a 157.6 passer rating. That's on a scale of 158.3. And a 98.5 QBR on a scale of 100. It was basically the best playoff game any quarterback has ever had <laughs> last week. That's basically what he did last week. I mean, like, uh, he was sublime. Um, I-, I mentioned earlier before you jumped on, I, I was talking about how uh, I will never admit defeat on Josh Rosen because I never yeah. felt he was given the opportunity. But I'm, I'm not above admitting defeat. And I will 100% wholeheartedly admit defeat on Josh Allen. I never thought that Josh Allen would pan it, turn into what he's turned into. I, I thought that he was going to struggle with his accuracy because he struggled with his accuracy in college. There has really been no precedent for guys who were as inaccurate as he was in college to all of a sudden become yeah, very accurate, accurate passers in the NFL. And somehow he's done it. And he's developed. Uh, I think it's a testament to the coaching staff there in Buffalo to the front office for putting some weaponry around him, Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders, and of course, Stephon Diggs. But, um, and despite the fact that they don't have uh, a, a lot of superstars in the backfield, Josh Allen himself is the superstar in the backfield. I mean, like he's that guy who's can, he can beat you with his legs, as you said, and he can beat you with his arm. I mean, he's pretty much, I mean, we all have wanted to see, a, what a true dual threat looks like. I mean, we've seen guys. We've seen Randall Cunningham in the past. We've seen Michael Vick. We've seen Colin Kaepernick. Um, and a lot of these guys maybe left something to be desired in in one element. Or maybe they were great runners, but not great passers. You had guys like Elway and Steve Young, very good runners, but not elite runners. It's possible Josh Allen is the best version of the two that we've ever seen. I think that's on the table. When you talk about dual threat quarterbacks, he may be the most elite rusher and thrower that we've ever had, considering his arm strength, um, his accuracy has come along, uh, and just his overall production. Um, it's, I mean, it's stellar. It's been stellar of late. It was stellar last week. It's going to take balls for them to go into Kansas City and, and beat the Chiefs, Vince, but you know what? I think they're going to do it too. I got the Bills pulling an upset, um, and I've got nothing against the Chiefs. I think that they're obviously a great team. Um, Here's what concerns me, though, about Kansas City. For one, they, they have this sense of arrogance about them, which is, I guess, a good thing in some respect because you want to have this yeah. constant belief that you can always win no matter what. At the same time, we almost saw it come back to bite them in their Super Bowl season when we know that they probably should not have um, you know, been in that many close games that they were. I mean, they were down like 24 to nothing against Houston and came back and won. Then they were down to Tennessee and came back and won. They were down. They were getting their ass beat for three quarters in the Super Bowl, three and a half quarters. 
And then it seems like miraculously, whenever they need it, they just go to the Patrick Mahomes 17-step drop play, closes <laughs> his eyes and throws it up to Tyreek Hill, and it flips the game. And they've done that many times. And, or they just go on a run like the Golden State Warriors used to and just throw up uh, you know, 24 points in a quarter just like they did against Pittsburgh last week. Yeah. I, that's not reliable, though, I don't feel like. And I feel like Kansas City is not as good of a team this year as maybe we've seen in recent years past. They're, they they were large stretches of the season. Their offense was out of sync. Then their defense was out of sync. And they put it all together last week. Well, they put it all together last week against a team that Who you basically for? said before we started recording it was a JV team, right? So, yes. I mean, like, that's not nothing impressive. And when I look at the eight-game winning streak that Kansas City went on that kind of set their season on the right course, um, who do they beat in those eight games? Well, and this is when the defense really took off and, and they, they got their defense right. And it was like, okay, now we got the Kansas City defense back together. We know Mahomes and Andy Reid going to come along eventually. Well, their defense came along because they beat the New York Giants. They beat the Packers without Aaron Rodgers. They beat the Raiders twice. They beat the Broncos. They beat the Steelers, who we just talked about. And they beat the Chargers in overtime. So not super impressive in, by my estimation. The only really good win that was in that stretch was they beat the Cowboys at home. Um, Amari Cooper didn't play in that game. But that was like the only good defensive, impressive defensive performance that they had in that stretch because all the other teams that they played in that stretch, their quarterbacks weren't any good. Their offenses were compromised or they just weren't much of a threat to them. Like they're going against a real team now in Buffalo and we saw what Buffalo did to them earlier this year. So I'm just not of the belief that Kansas City is going to do this again. Plus, I mean, I'll be honest with you, Vince. If if Kansas City gets past Buffalo, I'm going to pick them over Tennessee or Cincinnati. And I would too. And and I think most people would. But that would have put them in the three straight Super Bowls, and that's really hard to do, man. It is really it's definitely hard. A tough to do. Yeah, like I mean, like just, and that's how I judge a lot of these predictions and things that I make like I just look at it rationally like when you're picking playoff teams from year to year you know that you're going to have to turn over half of those teams because half of the teams get turned over every year from one year to the next in the playoffs same thing with the Super Bowl like teams going to the Super Bowl three years in a row is three years in a row is extremely rare and extremely unlikely to have happen and when you consider how up and down Kansas City has been this year even though they've got a good record and they're still a good team you know, Mahomes hasn't been himself this year. The defense—he's no, really—he's really been pretty loose with the ball, even yeah. though he like well, all the, even though he all doesn't the crap have a that he gets lot away with, picks. he ain't getting away with he, this year. Yeah, yeah. Even though he doesn't have a whole a lot of picks, he has a lot of almost picks. Like the throwing across his body and things like that has led to. And Buffalo got some ball hawks on the back of that end of that defense. Yep. Even and, without Tre'Davious White. Yeah, and if you if you keep throwing it up they're going to pounce and i just like i said the the reason why i picked kansas city because it's hard it's that atmosphere in arrowhead and just being there and going on the road to beat them but and i also was worried about because buffalo had already beat them this year and blew them out it's hard to go into a place twice and beat the team again but yeah i just right now i think buffalo is the more complete team playing the better football and that's usually what wins football games 
It's the most complete <laughs> team that's playing the best football at that time. Yeah. So I I I I, I want to go to week ten. Like I said, I've been three, four times this week changing my pick, but I'm going to go with Buffalo, and I think it's going to like I think this is the AFC championship. Yeah. <laughs> like I mean, you said, whoever wins this, I don't think they have a problem beating either team next week. Unless something drastic happens. I mean, it was it was the AFC Championship last year. It, it was Buffalo at Kansas City. That's yep. what it was last year. Uh, and we saw what happened last year. Buffalo went in there. They they hung around. They, I think they maybe got out to like a 9 nothing lead. And then Kansas City put it on them and pummeled them. They went on one of those classic Kansas City runs. Um, you just got to find a way to eliminate those runs somehow. And again, it takes balls. You have to capitalize on those mistakes. Mahomes had a ridiculous pass play last week where he threw across his body all the way across the field. And it yes. was an incomplete pass. That's the kind of crap that needs to result in an interception at the least this week, yeah. if not a pick six. You know what I mean? Like, that kind of stuff cannot be tolerated uh, if you're the Chiefs, and it cannot be, uh, uh, you know, it, you can't afford to not capitalize on it if you're Buffalo. Plays like that... Those little plays that don't happen can cost you the game as much as plays that do. Yes. Yes. I, I wholeheartedly agree. It's, it's worth pointing out for Kansas City, Jarrett McKinnon did add a nice spark to them last week. And so we may see something, you know, a little more from him. Um, Clyde Edwards-Elair may be back for this game, but, you know, maybe it, it sounds like Andy Reid and, and the Chiefs may be looking to infuse McKinnon a little bit more, even if Clyde is back. But I don't know, man. I just feel like this is Buffalo's time um, to slay this dragon. I feel like the Chiefs are probably tired mentally and physically from three straight deep playoff runs. Actually, right. four, because they went to the AFC Championship game and lost in overtime um, four years ago. Years so, ago. Yeah. So, so this is – so I mean, they went to the Super Bowl. This would be three years in a row that they've gone to the Super Bowl if they get back. But they also almost went to the Super Bowl the year before that. So – you know, at what point does that catch up to you? I feel like it could catch up to them this year. I feel like Buffalo is not, this is, they're not Johnny come lately's here. This is their, this is not their first rodeo either. They've gone to Arrowhead. They lost in the playoffs there before. They've gone to Arrowhead. They've beaten Kansas City before. There ain't nothing that they haven't seen. They, they got, they got Mahomes last year when they, when they threw that crazy run on them in the, in the, to, to end that game. I mean, Buffalo's seen it all before, but I feel like this is their time. I feel like, like you said, they're the more complete team. They're playing better football right now. Um, and I don't think Kansas City's defense is equipped to really handle Josh Allen at this point, the way that he's playing. And so we'll see. I mean, it should be a, a shootout, and, and it could be, but I feel like Buffalo's defense, again, to your point, is, is a little bit more complete than Kansas City's, more well-rounded. They get after the quarterback better. They're going to make Mahomes work and make him run. Uh, they're not going to be afraid of playing outside in the cold, obviously, because they're from Buffalo. I, I think this sets up for the Bills to to pull it off. So great stuff. So let's recap real quick. So Cincinnati and Tennessee, I have the Titans. You have the Bengals. Um, I have the Titans covering the three and a half. You have the Bengals pulling the upset. Niners and Packers on Saturday night. Uh, you have the Packers. I have the Niners winning and covering um, and pulling the upset. Sunday afternoon, we each have the Bucks winning. I have Tampa Bay covering narrowly that three-point spread over the Rams. And then on Sunday evening, we both have the Bills pulling the upset 
at Kansas City. So, so yeah, we're we're basically on uh the same same wavelength on Sunday, completely opposite Sunday. on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting because these games are uh, toss ups. There's I don't think it's any guaranteed victory. I don't think anybody is going in and betting the house, betting the mortgage on uh, these four picks this weekend. No, because it could go either way. But no, these, you would these, lose your wife and your kids going, and everything else. It, you know, exactly. Exactly. Deed to your house, it, it'll all go up. Deed to your house, the dog, right? The fish, everything. <laughs> they want it all. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck trying to bet yeah. these four games. I mean, but that's great, man. Because because it's it's almost like on like when you watch a a a, a series and like they have like a, a boring episode. Like, a, like a, on, a, on a drama and you'd be like damn that was a real boring episode but you know that that episode was just a setup for next week's episode and episode. next week's episode is going to be amazing last week's wild card slate of games was not that impressive no nah, not at all but i think that sets up for a very very memorable divisional round weekend so i mean i yeah. think i think it should be great like you- like, like you said in the beginning, this probably is the best eight teams, the best four teams from each uh, conference. So not only is this going to be a great week of football, the person who wins this Super Bowl is going to have tough games all the way down the wire. Because, yeah. I mean, all of these teams are deservedly there and have a chance to win. I know we said this is the AFC championship and next week whoever wins this game is going to be the representing the AFC in the Super Bowl but all of these teams deserve to be there all of these teams have a chance to win so it's going to be a, a tough not only this weekend but coming up until February 13th when we crown the Super Bowl champion they're going to have a tough road to get through and it starts this weekend it should be great man it should be great I appreciate you taking the time out cousin uh, coming oh, through and, and blessing us with your wisdom and with your humor and with your with your wit and with your football knowledge, it's gonna be it's gonna be right, man. I'm gonna be right there, ready to watch the entire thing unfold to the extent that my many children will allow. Thank <laughs> y'all for listening. Be fun, man. It's gonna be fun, man. Thank y'all for listening. Get your popcorn ready for Vince Hicks. This is Justin Hicks I'm signing off. Hip Hop Sports Support Podcast. We get at y'all next week. Conference championships later. <laughs>